When I think back to some of the best decisions that I've made in business, as well as some of the worst decisions I've made in business, many of them relate to business partnerships. It's a topic that not a lot of people talk about, sometimes because it brings back a little uh, PTSD, so to speak, but it's something that we're going to talk about in this episode today. I'm going to be giving some really good advice, as well as talking about some past experiences, maybe give you some advice in current partnerships or things to think about if you're actually looking at business partnerships yourself. It's going to be a great episode. Listen to the end. and Here we go. Hi, I'm Tim Jordan, and in every corner of the world, entrepreneurship is growing. So join me as I explore the stories of successes and failures. Listen in as I chat with the risk takers, the adventurous, and the entrepreneurial veterans. We all have a dream of living a life fulfilling our passions, and we want a business that doesn't make us punch a time clock, but instead runs around the clock in the AM and the PM. So get motivated, get inspired. You're listening to the AM PM Podcast. As FBA business owners, we've put thousands of hours of hard work into growing our businesses. But what happens when you've grown the business as much as you can and don't have the time or resources to take it to that next level? Enter Thrasio. Thrasio has acquired over 125 Amazon businesses from owners just like you. With more than 600 experts at the top of their field in brand management, growth marketing, creative, and supply chain, Thrasio's operating team can grow your business exponentially. Once you've sold your business, simply celebrate a lucrative exit and watch your personal wealth grow while your brand flourishes in Thrasio's portfolio. To connect with Thrasio's deal team, visit thrasio.com slash helium10. That's T-H-R-A-S-I-O dot com slash helium 10 for more information on if your brand is a good fit for Thrasio. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the AMPM podcast. I'm your host, Tim Jordan. And in this episode, I do not have a guest. I want to talk about uh, maybe a topic that is a little bit tough, like maybe for me to talk about, maybe tough for you to hear about, but it's one that needs to be discussed. And I've probably got enough to talk about that I don't need a guest because this is something that I have lost a lot of sleep over and I've also had a lot of joy in doing, and that's business partnerships. One thing about small businesses, right, entrepreneurs, is we have this mentality that we can take on everything, which is great. It gives us motivation. It gives us ambition. It gives us confidence. But the truth is, most of us don't have a ton of experience. When I think of great entrepreneurs, I think of, especially in the world that I run around in this e-commerce world, I think of very young entrepreneurs. Like they, they haven't had a lot of wisdom gained, right? I think of people that come from different industries. Like me, I come from firefighting. I didn't know much about business when I jumped into this. And that's great. But by not having some of these skills or experience or wisdom or resources, we limit ourselves sometimes. There are a lot of things that we do poorly. There are a lot of things that we'll never even think about. And as I was getting into business, I was consistently thinking about, hey, if I could partner with somebody, if I could partner with somebody, like instead of me being able to accomplish one unit of work and another person being able to accomplish one unit of work, what if we combined forces and became a force multiplier and me and this other person created five units of work, right? Like what if we were able to amplify things? And there's a lot of ex, uh, examples of that, right? You look at Disney. Walt Disney, you would never know his name if it wasn't for his brother, right? I, this is a, a very consistent theme in the book Rocket Fuel that I've talked about a lot, the integrators and the visionaries. Like Walt Disney was the visionary. His brother was the one that actually built it. If you look at 
Henry Ford, Ford Motor Company. He had an integrator that was in the background, a co-founder. You look at Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, like they needed each other, right? These co-founders. Also look in like the current e-commerce Amazon space. I have some good friends over at PickFu, right? It's a, a split testing digital marketing kind of software service. I love the way the two founders co the two co-founders work together. It's exceptional. And I don't think there's any question as to whether or not they could have built this company individually. I think they had to be together. And if you look at the original host and, and founder of this podcast, Manny Coates, everybody knew that Manny Coates created the AMPM podcast and Helium 10 and the Elite Mastermind. But it was Guy Guillermo on the back end doing a lot of the work. Like they could not have built what they built without Manny and Guy. So when I look at examples like that, and I look at my weaknesses, and I look at the things that I wish I knew, or wish I could do better, or, or additional investments, whatever it is, I've always been intrigued by this concept of business partnerships. And I'm kind of a giver, right? Like maybe I'm too open, maybe I'm too honest, and I've always trusted everybody, right? And I just, hey, let's partner up, let's partner up, let's partner up. Now, I've had a lot of bad, bad experiences doing that too. I've had a lot of sleepless nights. I've had a lot of uh, sleepless months. I've had some really big personal struggles because of business partnerships that did not work correctly, right? Not saying it was anybody's particular fault. I'm just saying they did not work correctly and it caused me a lot of stress, um, a lot of loss, and probably shaved off about 15 years from my lifespan, right? I've also had some great partnerships. Right now, I'm partnered with uh, multiple people on multiple things, and they're going excellently, right? I've also had partnerships that never got off the ground, like handshake deals. Hey, let's partner on this. This is great. This is great. And after a month, it fizzles out, and we never actually form a business entity, or we never actually get started on anything. So when I look back to the really bad partnerships that I had, like the things that absolutely crushed me, and then when I look at the things that are going exceptionally well... And I'm really enjoying and, and having fun with and we're able to grow together and uh, multiply those forces and do a lot of good. And when I look at the, the business partnerships that never actually took off, I start to realize maybe some of the key components to make them good or some of the things that made them bad or some of the things that you need to avoid or some of the things that I just frankly should have done differently. Like if I could go back in time and do some of the things that I'm about to suggest to you. I think a lot of things would have been different for me, right? Now, I'm not complaining. I've got a pretty cool life. My job is cool. My income's great. But if I could go back and do some things differently, which I'm going to discuss in this episode, I definitely would, right? Because I would have had more success. I would have had more success earlier. And frankly, I wouldn't have cried myself to sleep some nights, to be completely honest with you. So I started researching this whole concept because it's an episode that I wanted to do. And I wanted to talk about business partnerships because this comes up all the time, like in this, in this world of solopreneurs and, you know, small business owners, it is often considered, right? Do I partner? Do I not partner? I've been talking to somebody recently who, um, I think she definitively needs a business partner, right? But I don't know if she's ready to take on a business partner. And I've been trying to, you know, help her understand that. Uh, I look at examples like, clients of mine or, or um, students of mine in my coaching business that 
became great partners five years ago and are still operating now, but they literally met like at a restaurant, right? And because they inherently knew the things that I'm going to share, they took these steps and they did exceptionally well. So anyways, enough of an intro. I want to get into some of these things and I'll tell you a little bit of my experiences as I'm going through these things, these um, nine steps, actually, these kind of nine, maybe not nine steps, nine questions you need to ask yourself, right? So if you're listening to this and you have a business partner, see if you are, well, analyze, like really self-assess if you are considering all of these things. If you are, that's great. If you're not, maybe you can implement them now. If you're considering partnership, make sure that you write this list down and that you go through this and you really think about this and you have these conversations with your potential business partner. And if you are of the mindset that you will never have a business partner, I'll never have a business partner again. I will never do this. Um, I got burned once, never again. Let me at least ask you to consider these nine things. Because there was a period in my life when I said, I'll never have a business partner again. And like looking at this list of things, I realized that what burned me wasn't necessarily the concept of having a business partner. It's just that we did it wrong. We didn't take the steps we needed to. We didn't understand each other. We didn't set goals and limits and restrictions and responsibilities and accountabilities and all of those things. So if you think that having a business partnership is a terrible idea, maybe because you've been burned. As we go through this episode, assess your past situation and think, was it really the partnership that was the problem or the way we executed it that was the problem? All right, so let's get to this list. The first thing that I think you need to have before you form a partnership and jump into business with somebody is a shared history. Okay, you have to have some experience together. Now, this absolutely does not mean you have to go and start a business together to figure out if you could start a business together. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't mean that you had to be corporate employees for a company together and work together, although I have seen that before. What it means is you have to be able to prove on a small scale that you work well together and you can get stuff done. And that typically comes in the form of small projects. Do something together, do a project together. It does not have to be a separate business entity. You don't have to share financials, none of that stuff. I am currently working on some projects right now with people that are joint ventures and we do a small project together. And if it works really, really well, great. If it doesn't, great. We haven't lost anything. But I wouldn't call it like a a pressure test or a stress test. I wouldn't necessarily say it's even a trial. But I would say that before you go into business with somebody, make sure that you've at least gotten through a project or at least through uh, something to make sure that you have shared history together. Maybe it is a pressure test. Maybe I'm, I'm putting a stigma on that word and I shouldn't say that. But there are so many opportunities to do a small project, to do a small um, activity together. If you don't have an independent project, look at maybe the two businesses or the two things that you're doing currently. If you're an e-commerce seller and you're thinking about partnering with someone who is a great marketer and you're a great operations person, lend some of your operations experience to them. Like, hey, let me work on a project for you. Let me clean up your operations. Let me do something operational with your business. In exchange, you help market with my business. So you're not muddying the waters. You're basically just working with each other on each other's projects, which is very, very simple. You can literally do that with zero paperwork signed. And I mean, just make it very, very simple. And if you create some success there, you can analyze why did we work well together? Why did we accomplish this? Like, what do we like about each other? So make sure there's history together. Don't just, and I've done this folks. I have gone and created corporations with people that I've never signed a project with. 
or never had any history with. So I literally went and formed a corporation and a couple times it worked out okay, but I actually think I have two corporations that I still need to dissolve because we never did a thing. It just never happened. So don't be like Tim. Make sure you have some history together. The next thing that you have to do is share a vision and agree on a vision. Okay. Shared vision is easy. Agreeing is not. And here's the difference. Having a shared vision is when you're sitting around drinking coffee and you're like, yeah, this would be great. And this would be great. And you're spinning ideas and you're doing this and this. Uh, that's fine. You can share the same vision, but agreeing on a vision is a little bit tougher because that vision is usually more long-term, right? What are we going to be doing in three years? What do you want your role to be in two years? What are we going to do for growth? We're going to stay small or we're going to go into hyper growth stage. What is this going to be? I had a business partnership once that had this tremendous um, battle really between focus. And at the time we were selling and generating brands and products, we were also running a shipping and sourcing and warehousing company, right? Well, where do we spend our time? We had multiple owners of the company. And I think that all of us had a different vision. Some of us wanted to focus on our brands and build those to sell them. Some of us wanted to build the warehousing and sourcing company. So every day when we woke up, we were conflicting with each other, right? We were literally um, battling against cross purposes. Now, that doesn't mean you can't do multiple things in a business, but we should have been able to sit down and say, this is priority, this is secondary priority, right? Not saying one gets worked on less than the other, but like the vision is to do this so that this happens and this happens. When instead we were just kind of doing a shotgun approach, like, ah, let's kind of work on everything and see what happens. And the further we got in this business partnership, the more and more we realized like we were fighting against each other and then we were getting bitter because one thing that was important to me wouldn't be important to the other person. So if they weren't working on that, I would feel like they're leaving me to dry and then vice versa. Well, why isn't Tim working on this when this is the most important thing we have going on? right? We didn't agree on a vision. So don't just share a vision and share a dream. Actually agree like on paper to a vision. Now that vision can change, but every time it changes, that needs to be done in tandem, right? It needs to be done together. The third thing that I have always been terrible about, oh gosh, this, this one like crushes me that I have never been good at this because it's caused so many headaches, is you have to have the hard talks about money. You do. I hate opening bills. I hate even opening my online bank account because I do not want to see how much money I've spent this week. I I avoid it like the plague. And it's not just money. It's actual assets. So it's stakes in the company. It's ownership percentages. It's salaries you're going to pay yourselves. It's disbursements. It's how much money we're going to invest in the company. See, it's really easy to sit down with someone and say, hey, let's partner on this. Here's the marketing plan. Here's the operations plan. Here's this, this, this. We're going to hire this many people. This is going to be great. But then we actually talk about like, well, what about stakes in the company? What if I want to sell my stakes? Is that possible? What about options? Um, are we 50-50 owners? Because 50-50 ownership is tough because there's not a ruling factor, right? Like if there's a head-to-head -head disagreement and no one backs down, then nothing happens. Um, salaries, how much are we going to pay yourself? I've been in situations where I did not need income and maybe another partner did. Right? Like I had other forms of income. So it was easy for me to say, well, let's just keep investing in this company and, and not pull salaries out. And another partner's like, but I need a salary. Like I need to have money coming out. And that caused a lot of stress. Not that one person needed money when it didn't, but like those conversations, because we didn't have those early on. So we were always retroactively trying to address these things, address them in the past and figure out how do we fix this instead of actually talking about it. 
So one thing that I've learned is like you have to have multiple people um, looking at the books and the bank account. Everybody has to have transparency. Even if you have one person who's like the treasurer, which should not be me in any company that I own, um, I need to at least be able to jump in and see everything that's going on. That way we don't necessarily have to have these long conversations. Like I can keep up with it. But then we need to have regular money talks. Right. And in that agreed vision that I talked about point number two a second ago, make sure that you're talking about like how much money do we want to make? When do we start paying ourselves? What are we going to do for owner draws? Those things are very, very important. The next thing that you have to do that I have not done well is I'm getting better at is you have to decide who the leader of the company is. You've got a partner. Maybe that partner is 50, 50 owners with you, or maybe it's three thirds, right? There's three, three uh, owners. You have to decide who the leader is. And this is tough, right? This is really tough. And some of the points uh, that I'm going to get to in a minute are going to talk about this. But you cannot have too many cooks in the kitchen. It doesn't work. If we look at some of the best partnerships out there, we look at you know the Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, the the Disney and Walt Disney and his brother. You have a visionary and executor. And what has worked well for me is not necessarily giving someone full reign right? Like you can't just let somebody that has weaknesses fully run the company, right? So what's worked well for me, and I don't know if this is good advice or not, but I'm giving it, is to pick expertise and let individuals be leaders of those categories. So for example, if I'm a great visionary, but I'm not a good treasurer, I'm going to actually give the final decision-making on money spent how much we can pay for salaries, um, when we're going to hire, when we're going to invest to my treasurer, right? Now, there's a caveat there, just a second. And I'm going to have the humility to say they probably know best. Now, I'm going to fight if I think, hey, you're wrong here and here's why. Like, I'm going to present my argument. I'm going to say, no, we really need to overinvest here or we need to invest more here because this is important and 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 try to at least pitch my cause because it does take balance, right? You can't have someone that's super conservative and then someone that's super, super aggressive um, you know, operating individually, you have to kind of like meet in the middle somewhere. But even though, and I'll tell you a great example right now is me and Norm. Norm Farrar and I have multiple businesses together and some businesses, he's the president and some I'm the president. Some, um, you know, he's in charge of marketing and some I'm in charge of marketing. It's interesting, like how we assign different roles, but the truth is you have to have the one person that will always be allowed to make the final decision. So even if it is money related and I'm not the treasurer, I'm going to let that person win as, as often as I can. But they also need to understand that like you have to have one person in charge of the business that will absolutely make the decision. So when there is just head to head, complete disagreement, you have to let someone lead. And if that person makes a mistake, you figure out what the mistake was later. They learn from it and you move on. But if you especially have two partners that are always disagreeing and no one ever says, okay, I'm going to let you run with this, then you just get stuck in a quagmire. And the truth is, if both of you are invested in the company and you want the company to succeed, no one's trying to sabotage it, right? Maybe you just have different ideas of how to do it. Let one person lead for a while and see what happens. I've had to do that before. And sometimes it was the best thing I ever did. Even if I completely disagreed, I just said, okay, look you're in charge of this thing. You're the primary leader of this company. Let's see what happens. And I ended up being wrong because what they were suggesting is right. And if I was right, I didn't say I told you so. It was never like truly detrimental. 
there was nothing that ever just like completely crushed a business like that, right? Um, so I didn't have a whole lot to lose by letting them lead, but you have to decide who that leader is. Really the best example I have right now is, is with me and Norm where we change leadership roles based on what the company is. And he and I will have to continue to mm, mature in that way and continue to experiment and figure out how to make that best work. I have other people that have offered to partner with me before. And when I dove in, I realized I had more experience. I had more, I don't know, time behind the wheel, so to speak, right? Like I had, uh, I had done this a little bit more and maybe they were like the true visionary of the company. Maybe they were the one with the crazy idea or the crazy skill set that we could use and make into a company or the crazy brand idea. But I knew that with my experience, I should be making the tough decisions. And we ended up not partnering because when we had that tough talk of like, who is the leader? We both wanted to be the leader. We both said, no, I get final decision-making, um, authority. And the other person said, no, I want final decision-making authority. And I realized, oof, this isn't going to work. Now I'm not saying you always have to put your foot down and say that you get that authority, but before you get into a business partnership, decide like, do I want that authority or not? And again, I've been in businesses where I decided I don't care. I don't need final decision-making, but I've been in businesses where I absolutely did need it for it to work. And I knew that beyond a doubt. And if you and your potential business partner can't decide who that actual leader is, you're going to have a lot of heartache. Next thing you need to do is you need to understand each other's commitments. Make sure you understand each other's commitments. Commitments to time for the business. When is family time? How much time do they need for their family? How much money are you going to invest? How many other projects are they working on? Are they working on other gigs? Are they working on uh, their full-time job still, their nine-to-five job that brings them income? I'm not saying that every business partnership has to have the same level of commitment, that everybody can get the same number of hours per week or the same time frame or any of that stuff. But there does at least have to be um, an openness. There has to be transparency because one of the worst things that happens is business partners start something up together and then one person feels like they're carrying all the weight and they didn't expect that. One person feels like, gosh, I'm working every weekend and you're not. Or my goodness, I'm up at eight in the morning talking to these clients and you roll out of bed at 1 a.m., you know, because you just wake up early and you've worked in the middle of the night and now you're asleep at eight and I can't get a hold of you, right? Like make sure that you understand the commitment. Um, also investment. If I have a little money and maybe my potential partner doesn't, that's fine. I can invest cash, but make sure that they understand that their commitments are going to come elsewhere. It's going to come in the form of labor. It's going to come in the form of connections or expertise. Just make sure that you understand that. Some of the biggest struggles I had with uh, business partnerships uh, that either succeeded or didn't succeeded was just understanding level of commitment. Hey, I'm working on this full time, but this is like your third side gig, right? That, that doesn't seem fair. And there's a problem with that. And honestly, if we'd had that conversation before, we would have been able to at least address it. And we would have been able to manage expectations and set expectations that didn't lead to bitterness and resentment. Another thing you have to have, you absolutely have to have is compatible skills compatible is not the same skills. If you have the same skills, you're going to need outside help. So here's what I mean. If I'm really good at marketing and somebody else is really good at operations and finance, those are compatible skills. They work well together and you need to have that. But if, and I'm not saying you have to have different skills to have a business partnerships, but if you do, you have to find outside help. So if me and another guy are great at marketing and sales and we team up together, we need to know immediately that 
if we don't have compatible skills, we need to outsource those compatible skills. We're going to have to hire an operations manager immediately, a finance manager immediately, um, an HR manager immediately, right? Because if we have the same skills and we don't have the skills that we need, we need to offset those by compatibility. So make sure that different skills are covered in the business, not necessarily on the partnership. Again, you can have the same skills as your partner, but make sure you're at least considering those other skills that you're going to need um, and make sure you have a, a solution and a resource for those. Now, when it comes to skills, you need to be able to have multiple skills covered. When it comes to styles, you need to have the same style. And this was hard for me to understand. Different skills, but same style. Having the same style makes it possible to work together. You have to get along. So even if your skills are different, you need to be able to have the same communication style, the same work ethic, the same, um, probably the same idea of what fun and same idea of what vacation and what off time is. All of those things are massively important because you get sometimes closer to a business partner than you do your own family, right? And if you don't get along together, if you don't have the same styles, you're going to really butt heads a lot. So different skills, same styles, very, very important. I remember uh, business partnerships I've had where, and I'm not even saying you have to be best friends. I'm not saying that, but the same styles, but where I had one partner that just loved working the weekends, like work weekends were just when he would just rock and roll. And he was just, he never wanted to turn off. And that was his time where my, for me, the weekends, I need to recharge my brain. I need to spend time with the family. Like we had different work styles, right? Not different work ethics. We worked the same amount. It's just a different time. Also, I, love, especially like in my consulting business, I love traveling. I love going to events. I love going to masterminds. I love meeting people. I love having in-person meetings. And for me, getting on a plane and fostering those relationships is important where other business partners didn't have that same style. Their style was to, you know, stay and do everything remotely and not travel. And those stylistic differences made it hard for us to really grow at the speed that we wanted to because not compatible skills, but the styles, the styles, the way we did business were so different, right? The way we thought about business and the way we, the things that we thought were important in business and building relationships were so different that it created some animosity. So compatible, but different skills, similar styles. Oh, um, I almost forgot communication styles. Communication styles are massively important, right? In that, in those compatible styles, how do you talk? How do you communicate? How do you voice something? How do you explain something? Make sure that those are very compatible because communication is one of the most important things with partnerships. The next thing you have to do is you have to decide how you're going to fill positions, right? As you grow, you're going to have to hire people. If you start off and you do have those compatible or those similar skills or you need to outsource immediately, you're going to have to hire immediately as well. So how are you going to fill those positions? You have to agree on how much you're going to pay people, who to recruit, right? Are we hiring family and friends? That gets difficult. What if my partner wants to hire their brother-in-law? Well, that's going to be a problem because if brother-in-law sucks, it's going to be hard to fire him because it's my partner's brother-in-law, right? So make sure that you decide quickly how to fill positions. The other thing with filling positions, it has a lot to do with money. It's that finance talk, talk about money. If we want to scale up quickly and hire a lot of people, that's a very different way of doing business than staying exceptionally lean and trying to save every penny that you can um, it's just very, very different. That question of how we're going to fill these positions, the speed we're going to fill these positions affects money. It affects lifestyle. It affects, um, skills. It affects vision. It affects, uh, timeframes. It affects scalability, speed of the bit, like everything. 
So you have to have a discussion of how you fill positions. I say put an org chart out. Like build just a little org chart and say these are positions we eventually need to fill. Do we agree that like this is how we want to build the company? Of course, you can change that as you go along, but make sure you're changing it together. Yes, this is how we want to do it. Okay, well, right now, Tim, you have these seven roles and me, co-founder, has these seven roles. Let's figure out when we're going to start replacing ourselves in those roles. Have that tough conversation because if you don't do it, it's going to come back and bite you later. The last thing that, and there's a lot of other things I could talk about, but the last thing that that I want to share in this podcast is maybe the most important for me. And maybe it's because I've had so many um, bad partnerships that that this one sticks out to me. But you have to have a plan for an easy exit. Now, I don't mean exiting the company by selling it. I mean exiting the partnership. Here's the truth. Most small businesses do not make it. They don't even make it past the first year, like 85%. I don't remember the exact number. Don't make it past the first year. It is very rare for a business partnership to end up with a happily ever after. It's just not likely. Not trying to discourage you, just telling you the truth. And one of the most frustrating things for me in business partnerships has been that separation. It's been not knowing how we're going to exit. It's, it's, or it's like feeling like we can't exit. Like I'm trapped in this thing now and I'm going to hold a grudge and I'm going to be bitter and I'm going to perform very poorly for the next year or two years until this thing finally just blows itself up. And, you know, I end up weeping in the fetal position on the floor because it was so traumatic, right? The moment you even consider starting a business with a business partner, you have to figure out if this doesn't work, what do we do? Right? If, Two people are investing assets. Well, we'll just pull our assets back out and we'll separate them back out. Um, what if there's IP involved? How are we going to share that IP? Uh, is someone going to get the IP and someone gets something else? What if someone just quits working and the other person needs to be able to come and say, hey, you just gave up on this thing, but I want to keep running with it. Here's the plan for me going running with it. What about buying shares back from each other? What about buying each other out? Do you get a valuation of the company every six months or every year and decide, hey, you can buy me out for a 20% um, basically reduced rate of the current valuation and the shares that you hold? What if you want to sell your shares? Hey, we're going to get a partnership together. What if in five years I want to sell the business and you don't? Do I have a plan for sharing? I'm sorry, for selling my shares so I can make an easy exit? You have to be able to get out of this if it doesn't work. And man, when you start sharing bank accounts and responsibilities and notoriety and relationships, it gets tough. Always have that plan. And what I've noticed is some people think that having an exit plan is almost like a bad omen. Like, Ooh, why would I have an exit plan? It just shows that I want to exit. No, having an exit plan actually reduces the stress and lets you work well better together right? Because you know, you're not stuck in this thing. Like you can be more excited about it. You know that, you know, this isn't a lifelong commitment if it doesn't work out or if it's bad. Um, you can, you can pull out without fear of unexpected consequences because you had the plan. You'd already discussed it. You put this together. You agreed on this exit strategy, right? Massively important. When I look back at some of the biggest regrets I have in my businesses, it was not necessarily getting into business with people I shouldn't have. That wasn't a huge regret because sometimes you just got to try stuff. It wasn't necessarily um, some of the internal mistakes that I made with the business. It was literally how the business blew up. It was sometimes the nastiness, sometimes the heartache, sometimes the um, the blame game, whether it's you blaming yourself or blaming others. It's the relationships that were burned. And every single one of those times, I can look back and I can look to this list and I can say, man, if I had just followed these pieces of advice, 
things would have ended up much differently. And one of the strongest on that list for me is having an easy exit strategy. Make sure you have an easy exit strategy. You don't feel like you're stuck. Your partner doesn't feel like they're stuck. And if you do separate, the whole world doesn't come crashing down around you. So let me reiterate this again. Business partnerships are scary, right? I'm going through this list and you're like, holy crap, this sounds awful. It's traumatic. But I will also say that business partners partnerships can be exceptionally valuable. I have never had more fun in business than with partners. I've also never had more heartache than with partners. But the good news is those problems, I think, can largely be eliminated or fixed by, well, frankly, by having some experience, right? Like you may just have to have to go through a couple hard times. But by following advice, by listening to others, by uh, going through the steps and putting your business plan together, putting your vision board together and all that good stuff. But I still encourage people. If you are struggling in your business to, to get some footing, if you're struggling to get off the ground, if you've got an idea and you've been sitting on this idea for two years, but you haven't started it, maybe think about finding a co-founder. Literally the most successful businesses that I know personally and that we all know are partnerships. Look at Jack Ma and Alibaba. You know, read, read his biography about how Alibaba got started. He literally sat in an apartment with, I don't remember the number, 16 or 20 or 25 co-founders and said, guys, I don't have anything to give you. I don't have a dime to my name, essentially, but I got an idea and I'll give you all equity in this company. Like pretty much all of them turned into billionaires, right? That's a lot of partners. So hopefully this has been helpful. Hopefully this is, I was going to say, hopefully it's timely, but I know it's timely. I know this is something that comes up all the time in the small business entrepreneurial startup realm because I see it all the time. Like I see business partnerships break up. I see ones get together. I see them work. I see them don't work. And based on my experience, as well as a lot of research I did, I had to go through and research a lot of this before this episode. These are some of the nine things, or these are the nine top things. Make sure you have history together, agree on a vision, have the hard talks about money, decide immediately who the leader is, ensure that you understand each other's commitments to the business, have compatible skills, but have similar styles, decide how you're going to fill positions in growing the company, and have a plan for an easy exit. I hope this is a good episode. hope you guys enjoyed this. Please make sure that you give us a uh, positive review on whatever podcast platform if you're listening please and if you're watching this on youtube give us a thumbs up subscribe and share this podcast around if you know anybody that's like man they need to hear this share it send them the link let them listen to it also when you leave a review let us know what topics you like and don't like i'll get those reviews and i'll take that into consideration we're figuring out what content or guests we have i appreciate all of you love you all thanks for supporting the podcast and we'll talk to you next week